Hello everybody and welcome to another in audio interview. My name is Dan Koopman and I'm here with Benedict Fritz of Hello. Um, hello. Uh, you're <laughs> you one of jump the... right in. Yeah, you would just jump right in. It's totally okay. You're one of the people behind Tumbleseed. You got it. Which uh, is coming out on May 2nd. Well, it's about to come out when you listen to this. So that's about perfect timing on my part, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get um, like into the game, I'm quite interested in your background. What are your experiences in making games? And what shaped you to what you're doing now? Totally. Uh, I started making games in 2011. Uh, I was going to school for computer science. And, uh, you know, it was kind of when I was in school, that was when the first kind of real wave of modern indie games started happening. Right. Uh, you know, Braid and, uh, you know, around that, you know, like 2008, 2009, 2010, uh, that was when there was like that big explosion and it was one of those right. things where it's like, oh, like this is something that people can do. And, oh, I've actually kind of been going to school for something that, you know, helps you get the skills to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah. And it was one of those things where, you know, for a long time I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I kept kind of talking about it and thinking about it, but never actually sitting down and doing anything. Mm -hmm. And then in the spring of 2011, it was my senior year of uh, university and I just started doing some game jams and that really helped me kind of concentrate and focus and have like a very short time frame of, okay, it's one weekend. It doesn't have to be good, but <laughs> I'm going to make something. And that kind of set of constraints really helped me actually start making something. Um, and so for a long time, it was just me doing game jams on weekends, learning some, how, learning how to make games in Flash. This was right. also back when Flash was kind of like the tool to use for indies back when Flashpunk, Flashpunk is what I used and Flixel were kind of the big, uh, flash uh, game making tools for indie for indies and from there yeah i just started doing a lot of small uh, freeware web games and flash and then uh, you know just kept making bigger and bigger projects uh, and then in 2013 uh, so basically after university i then went and worked as an ios and mac programmer not doing games work hmm. but i kept making games on the side and uh, one of these projects on the side was uh, dude ski which was a, a skiing game for iOS. And uh, I was about halfway through it. I put several months into it when uh, the company I was working for more or less closed down. And oh, man. I had, yeah, but it was kind of this thing where I had kind of like prepared or, you know, I basically, since I started working, right. always kind of saved up money being like, you know, uh, one day it would be cool to, you know, take a shot at making games. And so then all of a sudden I didn't have a job anymore, but I had a half-finished game. And so, you know, it was kind of like, well, I, I've saved for this. Let's and I have a project that's half done. Let's kind of you know put some full time work into it and see how good I can make it. So I spent another three months on it, mm -hmm. uh, released it in uh, let's see, was it February or March 2014, uh, which is almost uh, three years ago now or over three years ago, which is crazy. crazy. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, and uh, you know it was the first thing that I sold that people bought it and you know make a little bit of money off of it and it was like oh this is a thing that you know. If I make something, people will actually play it and they'll enjoy it and uh, they'll pay for it. And uh, from there, I kind of then bounced everything with, you know, doing contract work to kind of pay the bills and working on game projects on the side. And then in uh, 2014, uh, in the fall of 2014, mm -hmm. uh, we made the first prototype for what ended up becoming Tumbleseed. And since then, we've just been kind of working on that for over <laughs> two and a half years. And it's finally uh, finished and finally going to be released into the wild May 2nd. Nice. 
I actually tried that mobile game of yours, Dudeski, before heading into the recording. Actually, an hour ago, I started playing it. Um, <laughs> that is an insane game. That game is difficult because yeah. um, you really need to be precise with your movement, how you go through the gates and how you jump over bushes and everything. And yeah. there's constantly a frill that something might go wrong. Yeah. It's such an interesting game. Totally, and that's kind of one of the things that I like in games is kind of uh, a system that is kind of very precise and you're kind of forcing the player to kind of get as close to the system as possible. It's, you know, the closer you are to feeling Hmm. like that you are, you know, in control of the movement, the more, you know, the game can kind of throw at you and you kind of have to keep moving closer and closer to this movement system and kind of, you know, getting ever closer to it being doing exactly what you want it to do. And mm. that's kind of the thrill of uh, Dudeski and also in a lot of ways, Tumbleseed is kind of, you know, there's this system oh, you're yeah. kind of ever approaching, you know, the exact movement that you want, but you're never quite getting there. And so, you know, constantly pushing the players to get closer and closer to feeling like they have total control over the system of movement. Right. We'll definitely get into that in a little bit, but uh, considering we're already talking about Tumbleseed, uh, you're developing this with a bunch of people and it started as a prototype. How did that all come about really initially? Uh, yeah, so initially it was... Uh, we. Are you familiar with the arcade game Killer Queen? I am a little bit. Yeah, basically, for it's a five versus five arcade cabinet. So it's this right. big arcade cabinet, and it has you know it's 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 basically this huge local multiplayer game that you play in an arcade. Mm-hmm. And an arcade in Chicago had a Killer Queen, and we started going there a lot because we had a lot of fun playing this game. Nice. And while we were there, we started kind of exploring the other cabinets in this arcade, and one of those cabinets was a game called Ice Cold Beer. And it's this old arcade cabinet from 1983, and it's really strange because it's actually a mechanical cabinet with a metal bar and a marble, and you're pushing this marble up this wooden wall with holes in it. And we started playing this game kind of in between rounds of Killer Queen and just fell in love with it. And that was kind of the spark for the initial uh, prototype, was kind of just like, oh, this is a really cool uh, game mechanic. Why has no one, you know made a modern version of this? Why is there no digital version of this very interesting mechanic? Uh, And so I made an initial prototype. And then shortly after that, uh, Greg Woland uh, joined in as the artist and co-designer. And from there, we spent a bunch of time uh, prototyping, designing, and trying to figure out how do we turn this uh, toy of balancing into a full game? Hmm. So with the prototype, it was a Unity prototype called also called Ice Cold Beer. I I imagine that you like prototyped like a ton before. Was what made that in particularly appealing from the get go? Uh, I think it's because it's just a mechanic that is immediately fun. It's something that it's it's hard to describe. It's 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 again kind of that like it's uh, it's sort of this indirect control where you know you're moving either side of this bar up and down, and this marble mm. is kind of rolling along it. Uh, but getting it to do what you want is actually pretty tough and so it's something that was fun in the real world in ice cold beer and then that fun kind of just stuck immediately when we took it over to a digital version and finding something that is so kind of at its core fun is kind of rare when you're prototyping and finding a prototype that's fun kind of so immediately is 
definitely a rarity. And so as soon as we came upon it, we we're like, oh, like let's let's do something with this. Like this is a cool hmm. mechanic. Uh, little did we know how hard <laughs> it would be to turn this toy into a full game. And that's what we spent the majority of the development time doing was figuring out how to turn it into a full game. That's interesting. So how did that concept evolve then? And I, I guess initially and how the game came together, what were your inspirations? So initially it it went through all these different phases, basically. Initially it was going to be an iOS game where it was kind of like an endless runner style game where you're kind of moving up forever. Um, and the problem and the problem with all of these prototypes is that eventually they stopped being fun. And it took us a long sure. time kind of to figure out why they stopped being fun. But so there was that version, which was kind of like an endless runner style game. Then we also had a kind of Legend of Zelda style, like dungeon crawler, where you're moving from room to room and like the camera was sliding. Uh, huh. We had uh, a more kind of like Dark Souls style thing where there were these kind of like bonfire checkpoints. And then there was like a weapon system and you're upgrading that. But that wasn't fun after a while. <laughs> Man, um, there was even an arcade version where you weren't actually balancing anymore. It was the same kind of bar and marble uh, mechanic, but you were actually tossing uh, the ba the ball with the bar. And it was kind of this very fast arcade thing where you're then kind of tossing Whoa. this marble and it was bouncing off of walls. So we kind of went all over the map um, and then eventually landed on something that was kind of mainly inspired in a lot of ways by Splunky in terms of its structure and its mechanics in terms of kind of the meta mechanics of like, okay, you're rolling, but what else? Uh, and so that's where kind of this world came from where, you know, you have four biomes, you start at the bottom every time you're trying to get to the top. Uh, and then there's an upgrade system and you're getting different upgrades. There's a, a currency and you're kind of building an economy and balancing that with like health and powers and what, enemies happen to spawn and all of the things that kind of are now kind of relatively common in the kind of roguelike genre and kind of incorporating those ended up working out really well. And that's what formed the core of what the game is now. Wow. All the concepts you're describing, I imagine that game would have taken a very different direction if it ended up to be, especially a fast arcade one sounds insane. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like the degree to which these games are completely different games is extreme. <laughs> right. Um, well, I've played now a bunch of Tumbleseed, and I have to say, like, similar to Dudeski, and we kind of mentioned this already, uh, I have a constant, there's a constant thrill just of climbing that road, and my initial question was, like, playing it, how do you maintain that balance so well? The balance of kind of the movement with the other stuff, or just kind of that sense of constantly wanting to climb high? Yes, yes, this, the last part, definitely. The, yeah, so it's it's one of those, uh, I think a lot of the pleasure in games is um, knowing what you want to do, but not fully being able to execute it. And that kind of disconnect is mm -hmm. the thing that constantly kind of pushes you and motivates you to keep trying. Right. Um, because... You follow, you know, you're trying to get through this like tight little like nook in tumble seed, and you're trying to like slide between these two holes, and you fall in, hmm. and you know what went wrong. Like your brain fully knows, like, oh, hmm. what I did wrong is I didn't quite move right, and I know like what I should have done to do it right and to actually make it through, but I didn't quite get that. Let me try again, and that's kind of like that loop of I know what I was supposed to do, but I didn't quite get it, and I know that it was my fault, and now I'm motivated to try again because. I still know what I have to do, and it's it's like right there for the taking, and I just have to execute it. Right. Uh, going back to that first part of that of that uh, answer, then um, 
like the game is challenging. I was surprised by how much balance I was required to perform well, and I found myself like constantly moving the sticks back and forth and like, <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, is there a right way to go go about climbing the mountain, or is it really depending on the feel of the player? Um, there, the general uh, thing that takes a while for players to kind of. Get, you like get comfortable with is that you kind of have to go slow and you kind of right. have to be very kind of thoughtful and kind of actually plan out like instead of just kind of charging ahead you just kind of some often need to kind of pause and look up and then think like okay what's up here what enemies are there where are they going where are the holes what route am i going to take and that kind of like mountain climbing style like where's the path is uh sort of that's kind of a piece of the movement and a mo and an element of the game that it's often takes players kind of a while to kind of get accustomed to and that's kind of one of the big humps of getting into the game is kind of getting into that mode of you know careful and thoughtful uh planning and execution yeah i still have a little bit of problem with that i'll be honest um totally because i i'm still in the phase where i just look at the holes around me and get really like paranoid where where the <laughs> perfect park is to, to, to climb up. Because yeah. I, I will see like very small slivers of paths and sometimes you just have those rounds where it just doesn't all work out all that well. Yeah. Um and I I really try to just make the best of I can, but it has been a struggle sometimes. Totally, um, yeah. But it's it's a lot of fun for sure. Um Thank you. No worries. <laughs> um, but what I like is also like the character with the various abilities, and that you that you actually use by collecting the crystals. Um, mm. How many powers are there, and can you name some of your favorites? Sure. Uh, so there's over thirty seed powers in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my favorites are uh, the bomb bud, and that's kind of you roll over a plot of soil and you plant a little bomb, and that then has this big radius explosion. Uh, it does a lot of damage, but it will also damage you. So it's this really fun kind of combination of it's super powerful, but at the same time, as soon as you plant it, you have to get out of there as quick as possible so that you don't get blown up as well. And so always that moment between kind of planting the bomb bud and it going off and you trying to run away while also hoping that the enemies kind of stay in the area close enough so that they get hit right. is one of my favorite kind of like interactions. Uh, then I also really like... Uh, the flood fruit, um, and that is, uh, you call down a rain cloud, and that basically it rains on all the holes, and they fill in with water. I that's and, actually the one I got in my last round too. Oh that, yeah, that was really fun. Like yeah, and, that feeling of like overcoming everything just by spraying water all around feels yeah. really incredible. <laughs> yeah, and so that one is also one that combos really well with uh, other seed powers, and so sometimes you'll find these really nice interactions. So. So, for example, with the flood fruit, there's another seed called the uh, uh, flail seed, right. and that is one where you kind of have this mace that swings around you as you roll around, and it's super powerful. But the problem is that you need to roll kind of fast so that this uh, mace, this flail, kind of actually swings around you. And so, if you combo them, where you first call down the rain cloud to fill in the holes, mm -hmm. and then use the flail seed, then you can kind of combo them together and have this nice rolling area so that you can swing it around safely. Uh, and so, that's another one of my favorite combos is. Uh, that combo of those two seed powers. Awesome. Um, like every time I play around in Tumble Seed, it just feels unique. How, how do you build the levels to keep them entertaining and also fun to explore? That took a lot, a really long time to figure out, and it's something that we 
constantly were changing. It's probably the thing that we like experimented with and changed the most right. uh, throughout the whole development because it's one of the few elements that kind of stayed consistent throughout the entire project. You know, we always had the balancing, except for like the arcade prototype. But for most <laughs> of the development, we had the balancing. And the other part that we usually had was the random generation. And right. so we had like a very long time to kind of be like, okay, like what works, what doesn't work, what do we have to do to be kind to the player? When can we be mean to the player? Um, and so there's just like a bunch of small stuff that kind of added up over the years that uh, lets us kind of, you know, create something that is varied and, you know, unique and interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's not something where I can say like, this is the magic sauce because it's really like one of those things that just kind of built up over time. Uh, and the other thing that's nice about it and that I think helps right. it feel varied is that it's not grid based. Um, and a lot of games that are more, randomly generated are often grid based and you, you can kind of like see the seams a bit when it is on a grid because you're like okay there's that piece and there's that piece whereas our game is much more circular and everything is kind of uh just based on radius and you know how far away is another thing based on its radius and so that gives it a different feel where it's huh. not like you can see like oh this is a grid and here's this piece and here's this little set piece that i see a lot um i think that element of it also uh, helps it feel a bit different than a lot of other games where there's generation happening absolutely i noticed that immediately when i uh, played a few rounds um, and I do that now and again where I play for half an hour um, and then put it down and then come back to it later. Um, yeah, that's honestly like the best way to play. And <laughs> and it's one of those things that is all, another thing that's kind of hard uh, to often communicate to people. Like it's both like that patience, like being patient and then not being afraid to take breaks because it is something that just consumes a lot of mental energy. And oh, yeah. So not being afraid to kind of like you know, go for a run, give it your all, and then, you know, put it down and then come back like an hour later because, you know, to have that patience and that focus, that just consumes a lot out of you. And it's hard to kind of maintain that focus until you've played for a while and you kind of are more comfortable with the game. Yeah, I guess for me, it comes a bit more natural because I'm actually born with a balance disorder. Oh, wow. uh, so I need to actually take breaks after like, say, 40, oh. 35 minutes to ensure that I can review myself and do better next time. Um, wow. So I actually like force myself to take a break once and again. And actually, um, for all things considered, I had problems with a lot of other balance games before. And I seem to handle this one actually pretty well, all things considered. Wow, that's great to hear. Yeah. And I think it's because like all the different set pieces feel so natural and it feels like very conveniently built. So mm. you just get the time to think about it even if you are in those panic moments you still get a, like a second or two to make a decision and mm. i and i think other stuff that it comes close to that feels more immediate and that's what feels so nice about it that's good to hear yeah um another thing that i want to want to praise then is the style i just love the style of that game like thank you absolutely adore it um <laughs> but like who came up with that? Was it one of you? Were it all together as a team? Because that style is so nice to look at. Really. The visual style? Yeah. Uh, that's really all Greg uh, Wolwend who uh, did all the art in the game. And it's something that kind of... Or at least watching him work. Like, I can't speak to where it comes from. I, right. You know, he has he has kind of like a certain style that he's carried between all the games that he's worked on. And uh, a lot of, a lot of the games that he's worked on use uh, vector graphics and he works in Illustrator. And then, so that informs some of the style. Um, but a big piece of it 
in terms of watching the style evolve was just for uh, you know laying down some kind of like foundations kind of like where is the game taking place uh, what is the world what are the things in the world what are they doing why are they doing the things that they're doing and you know what is the relationship between them and those foundations it was really interesting to watch because kind of you know a lot of times we talk about how things look and he kind of always take it back to the much higher level of like what is the you know foundational like reason why these things are the way that they are and mm-hmm. out of those kind of core foundations i think is where the game kind of came out of and where its style came out of is just you know given certain constraints and understandings of a world uh, greg then just turned that into the game that you see awesome uh, the game is coming to various platforms, but we're talking here about the Nintendo Switch version. Um, what made you guys bring it to the platform? Um, we, it feels to us, it feels like a Nintendo game in terms of the style, like very colorful, but also very hard. And that is something that we always looked at. Nintendo as the standard bearer of is kind of like that combination. Right. And not a lot of people are doing that combination besides Nintendo. Um, And so we reached out to them hoping to get it on the Wii U. And this was back before the Switch was announced, back even before the rumors started circulating that the (laughs) NX was going to be a thing. Um, And so, yeah, we reached out and we're like, hey, we want to be on the Wii U. And uh, from there, the conversation just developed to like, oh, like we think this would be a good fit for our new thing. And, uh, and it just kind of happened to work out that after this very long development period that our game was coming out around the same time that their new console was coming out. And, uh, awesome. It, it just happened to be a great fit. That's perfect. Um, naturally, you can play it in handheld mode, which is great, by the way. Um, nice. But um, like the big setting point here is HD Rumble. How was that to implement, and what are your thoughts on that specifically? Uh, it was great. It was, yeah, it was super interesting because it's also just something that you know, not many games exist with. uh, And so it's something that is kind of completely new. Um, And I think, you know, from the start when we were talking to them, Nintendo always kind of had in mind that this game would work well with HD Rumble. Um, And so it was interesting because, you know, for a time we were actually working on our implementation and we hadn't experienced 1-2-Switch or anything. And then we had a meeting with Nintendo and they're like, oh, you should try 1-2-Switch. And we're like, yeah, because we're really curious. Like, you know, we're implementing our own and we have a sense of like what it can do and what, you know, how it works. And then like trying 1-2-Switch, we're like, whoa, we got to improve ours. So then we went back and did some more work on ours. so, you know, it was like super exciting and super fun to work on uh, just because it is so new. And I think it really adds something to the game, kind of giving you the sixth sense of where the seed is on the vine and how fast it's going. And even which one you're, uh, you have equipped based on kind of the texture hmm. of the rumble. It's definitely the first time I felt something so specific since that that um, that ball roll game in 1-2-Switch, to be honest. <laughs> the uh, marble game? Yeah, the marble game. Yeah, that one is. That one's crazy. <laughs> this sort of feels similar to it, but it has more, like it has more, an attachment to the game, which, uh, because the game is in one to switch feels very separate from the screen. Well, this mm. is, it works in conjunction with the game, so it feels mm. sort of different in that sense for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So how was it, like working with Nintendo in general? Were they open to the idea of bringing Tumble C to Nintendo Switch? Yeah, yeah, I, no, they were they were great to work with, um, and they were, as I said, kind of the first ones to suggest it before uh, we even knew that it was going to be a thing. Uh, and 
you know, like I said, like we, we, we were just hoping to be on the Wii U, but they were the ones who were like, well, let's uh, keep talking because we have something new coming and we think that it'd be a good fit. Uh, so that was, you know, very, you know, uh, great. Just like to have them reach out to us uh, as, you know, a third party developer and indie, a team of five to, you know, work with us hmm. to get their game on the platform. It was uh, tremendously meaningful and uh, they were great to work with. Awesome. I think that is about the questions that I have. Um, are there any, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave us with before we wrap it up? Or have you things to say still? Or is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you want to bring up? Uh, no, I think we covered a lot of it. You know, games out on Tuesday, May 2nd, uh, both in the US and Europe. And, uh, yeah, it's a challenging little game, uh, but there's a lot of depth there with all the seed powers and uh, all the strategy that comes with them. And we've been playing it for over two and a half years, and you know <laughs> we still have fun with it every time we go back to it, and it keeps surprising us. So we hope that players can you know discover that as well. Yeah, I will say for 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 my money's worth, um, I would instantly recommend this game if you want something like really challenging and fun to play. Because if you're searching for something that you constantly can keep playing regardless if you've already finished it or want something to constantly come back to. Like that game is perfect for that because well, thanks. that means a lot. <laughs> yeah. Be- because like the variables in the levels and what you offer, like constantly change and not every round is the same and you have some bad dots in it, but that's, that's the nature of a roguelike game. And I feel mm-hmm. that the rolling elements combined with that make for something like really unique. Thanks so much. No worries. And I think that's it then. Um, I want to thank you so much for having this interview with me. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. And I want to say, well, hopefully you will listen to the next one.